I was in a coma for six weeks while the doctors told my wife I was going to die. When I woke up, she told me the most fantastic story. My team kept running the business without me. Freelancers reached out to my team and said, we will do whatever it takes as long as Craig's in the hospital. I consider that the greatest accomplishment in my career. My name is Craig Andrews, and this is the Leaders and Legacies podcast, where we talk to leaders creating an impact beyond themselves. At the end of today's interview, I'll tell you how you can be the next leader featured on this show. Today, I want to welcome Josh Brunson. Josh is the CEO of Mastery in Sales. He's created the Zero Sales Resistance Framework, and that's helped his clients generate over $150 million a year, totaling over a billion in sales within a single year. He believes uh, focusing on helping folks avoid the pitfalls in the contemporary sales approaches. Josh arms sales leaders with strategies that inspire and guide their teams. For those that are at the forefront of sales, he deciphers the psychology behind uh, each transaction, empowering them with techniques that only not only simplify, but magnify their sales effectiveness. Josh and I have been chatting for a few minutes. I'm looking forward to what we're going to talk about today. You don't want to miss it. Josh, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So anyway, I mean, we, we were having a, a really interesting uh, conversation. And one of the things that you said, um, well, a couple of things you, you know, apparently you, you know, you were drinking from the entrepreneurial pool as, as you were growing up. Yeah. yeah. My dad in, I didn't know this. He passed away in 2019 and I didn't know to the extent but um, his one of his best friends got up on stage and he's my dad. I should know this. And he jokingly took a paper and wanted to talk about the what my dad had created in his lifetime. And the paper went from holding it all the way to the floor. I didn't know he had built 13 businesses in his lifetime. I grew up around him. Like he was my life every day. Worked from home. Um, and he built 13. And from what I understand, they all survived COVID. <laughs> They're still all in business. They all still use his model. And this is some of them, some of them he created in the 70s. Wow. And so my formative years, my younger years, was watching him build a business. Um, come well, come up, find a find a problem, build the business around that problem, take that business and and streamline it, and then he would sell the business. And I saw him do it in my lifetime like five or six times at least. Yeah. Throughout living at home, and that process, it you know, it, it becomes second nature. I'm always like, you know, the T-shirts to say, "What would Jesus do?" I like, "What would Gene do?" Like my yeah. dad's name was Gene. Like, what would he do right now? And so I kind of looked at that. I like, I revert back to a lot of the stuff and how he handled business, and, and it's been successful. You know, and that that's an amazing track record because, um. So many times the story is somebody has an idea, they think the world needs their idea, they go off and do it, and they find out that them and three other people actually care about that idea. Yeah, yeah. So how do you think, you know, how do you avoid that? How, how do you think your dad avoided that? I think my dad avoided it because um, he just 
Like the biggest sale we all have is the one we're selling ourselves. Like yeah. if we can take delivery of the belief in what we're doing, then it's just going to happen. My dad would dive in so hard into a project that it had to work. It was going to work. People needed it. And sure as shit, every time you turned around, that happened. Like people would just buy it. I mean, we, his biggest client was Crate and Barrel. Oh my goodness. And these weren't small companies he built. They, he built massive companies and they were generally a product, a couple times a service, but generally a product. He's like, this is what they need. Huh. And it was just the, I would say the overwhelming thing was the belief in himself. Not yeah. that he wasn't going to fail the first or second time creating the exact product, but you know, the fact that it would work and people did need it. You know, when you were saying that, it kind of reminded me of Ross Perot. You know, when he was mm. at IBM, he came up with the idea of, hey, the world's going to need these big computers. They can't afford to buy one themselves. How about we sell fractional time on it? And IBM either fired him or, you know, scolded him. They're like, that's a stupid idea. And so he went off and started it. Do you know how many times he was told no? I have no 76 idea. straight sales calls. He yeah. went out on 76 sales calls. 76 people said, no, we don't want that. That doesn't make sense. We don't want 77 said yes. Number 77 said yes. And he built a multi-billion dollar business off of that. Yeah. But it's just, it's like Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart said, Hey, I'm, I hear this a lot about me. Everybody says, look at this overnight success. He's an overnight success. He said, people didn't see the 14 years of people saying, no, you're not funny. Yeah. Nobody saw that. The overnight success thing is a little unnerving because it's not overnight. I, you know, he ground, he was grinding every fucking day. Like, like that's, that's the story that people need to learn. Not this instant gratification that everybody wants. Wow. Yeah. So you followed in his steps and from what I was hearing, it, it hasn't been all glorious. There, there's been a few bumps in the road. Yeah. You know, Kind of like we're talking about it. It really is. It boils down to I'm never worried about failing. Failing's my, not my worry. You know, I could care less about failing because I'm just going to find a better way to create the next step, the next process, the next client. Um, and this is all things we create. We bring it into our life. But it really, for me, it's making it like fa give, failing myself, not living up to my own expectations. So there's always that bump in the road and you're always going to hit that bump. That's why um, when we're talking about it, it's like, you know, how do you give people hope? I don't. I don't yeah. give people hope because I don't want to set their over. Like you look at reality TV right now, and this might be soapbox time, but if you look at reality TV and you really kind of wonder for a second, like, is that what's what we're living with? Is everybody expected? It's just that simple. It's not that simple. You have to put in the effort, you know, like consistency and discipline are the, you know, consistently do something and be disciplined about doing it, you're going to get where you want to go. But if you don't, I mean, there's been times where, you know, there was, there was one time in my life I can remember standing at the grocery store with a bag full of change. Yeah. Buying groceries. Oh my goodness. And I was like, am I on the right path? Right. I don't, I, I'm I'm always attracting, I'm always putting, I'm very much like my father in that way, you know, the belief in the next step is where you're at. So growing up, we 
never had money as a family. The businesses always had money because he was always creating the next step. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you talk about a, a revolving door with crate and barrel for three and a half years, making 300 ish thousand dollars a month back in the early nineties, we had money, but it was always being invested in the next project. Right. So that's the way I, I was, I remember that. I remember having the change in both hands, opening it up and I saw there was a ton of quarters. I was like, is this right road for me? <laughs> I'm like, now, you know, fast forward to where I am now. I'm like, yeah, it's the right road. Hmm. So I'm going to set my expectations for myself. I want people to set their own expectations, but I don't give them the hope. I don't over promise or over promise and under deliver. I'm the opposite. I always want to be the opposite. Well, that's cool. <clears throat> well, and you said that you've had to rebuild twice from the ground up. What what happened? What's what's the backstory there? Um, you know, once one time was collabing with people. Um, you know, expectations are you I'm always take people at face value. Shame on me, you know, shame on you for fooling me first time, shame on me for being fooled the second time, right? Kind of like whatever, however that exact saying goes. But I trust people and I invest a lot of time and energy and, you know, and money in some cases. And it was an instant rebuild. Like I put so much time and energy on focusing on the one thing that I forgot what I was truly passionate about and what could get me where to go, where I wanted to go or how, what I could deliver to people. Right. Um, and not saying I ignored, but I shut part of my company down completely. Hmm. Then, what, what was the was, company? What's that? What? Uh, yeah, what was the company? What were you doing at the time? Well, mastery and sales. Oh, okay. So it's always been mastery and sales can ebb and flow with anything because all I have to do is I'm referral based. I have been since 2014, 15, referral based only. I mean, I have had, I've had big clients like, um, you know, Vitamix, Alaskan Airlines, you know, Visa, bad big clients. Um, and I like the corporate world, except I like the entrepreneurial side better. And so I started focusing on that in about 20, that was, I think, 2015. Um, and so it just ebbs and flows. And so since then, I've been referral based. You know, I don't really have to put my stuff out there because I've been in it so long. Um, and so I just need to contact somebody and say, hey, you know anybody? And then they shove people my way. So it's kind of like turning on a spigot and turning it off when I don't need it necessarily. Okay. And I think that's because I manage expectations fairly well. You know, I don't overpromise. But when I say I'm going to do something, you can consider it done. Wow. So um, what's, you know, right now is a, a uh, hard time. A lot, lot of businesses are struggling. Um, you know, the, you know, in particular in high ticket sales, you know, I'm hearing a lot of things where things have just slowed down. What would be your advice to people struggling right now in, in, in getting sales going in this environment? So the first thing is the belief in what you're being told. So I have friends and clients that are still doing high ticket sales and the struggle isn't there. Okay. 
Um, I think primarily because two things. Authenticity sells. And people know when they're being someone's being authentic. Right. I think that has the biggest, the biggest thing is is the authenticity. The truth rings through to somebody that's like, hey, I'm willing to shell out money. Like, I want this help. Like, and that kind of goes back to the hope. I would rather give somebody accountability than hope. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna hold you accountable so you are the best in your life. Right. And I think if you offer you offer support rather than help, I'm very particular about that word. <laughs> support means I'm going to help you through or support you through the process. Help means I'm going to do it for you. Mm-hmm. So always, uh, I want to be very cognizant of that, of the supporting people. So, you know, it is the belief that you can't sell a high ticket sell, sales, right? Um, client down in Miami, $15,000 for one day. Sells out, right? Um, you know, I just put together a mastermind for a client. We did seven hundred thousand dollars in two uh, two weeks. Seven hundred grand, front end, back end. You know, and that was a fifteen thousand dollar price point for two and a half days. Um, coaching programs, I think people are starting to see through and become smarter about coaching and entrepreneurship as far as like mentorship and trainings and coaching, that whole system is, I won't say that verbal levels burst, but I will say as people are starting to do their research and find out what's true and what's not. And I've worked for some global, global coaches who world renowned, best-selling authors, actors, da, 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 like down the list. Um, was at a, a conference with one of my clients and this guy runs up to him. Oh my goodness, you're so-and-so and so-and-so. Can I get a picture? And I was just, after I saw behind the curtain and saw what was really going on and how, you know, this person reacts and acts. Um, I think people are starting to see that because it's, you know, we're out of the information age. We're more in the application age. That makes sense. Yeah, let's break that down a little bit. And so, and, and let's, I mean, so let's take a step back. Obviously, um, you know, there's been a huge explosion of various type coaches, um, you know, running the podcast. I can't tell you the number of life coaches I see applying to the podcast. And, and so what you're saying is these general coaches and they're coaches to teach you how to be coaches. Um, and you're saying that this is a bubble and it's it's about to burst. Well, I mean, think about it. COVID, COVID happened. Four million new coaches, I believe, happened in one year. Wow. Everybody was sitting on the computer. I can do that. You know, I've been there. Of course you have. It's called life. <laughs> like, you know, um, so everybody wanted to be a life coach, you know, a fitness coach, this and that. So a lot of people lost weight. During the pandemic, um, a lot of people gained weight, but a lot of people, <laughs> right? <laughs> I lost, I lost forty pounds in uh, uh, pretty quickly. But the, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think most people would choose the path I took. No, I'm don't sign me up for that regimen. <laughs> but, but it really became one of those things. Everybody was sitting around. They had six, nine, twelve months to sit back and go, "What do I want to do with my life? Do I want to go back to an office?" Well, no, everybody wanted to do a coaching program. Yeah. Everybody want to be a coach. A lot of people think coaching coaching programs 
really struggled with the pan during the pandemic. It was probably the busiest time for all coaching programs. All my clients saw exponential growth. It was insane. Um, one saw a $14 million bump in like a three month period. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So everybody were taking these coaching programs going, I'm going to take a bit of this. I'm going to take pieces of this. Some people were literally like, I'm going to take all of this and build my own business based off of it. So again, authenticity sells. If you're living your life every single day, I follow people that live their life, right? And that are raw and emotional and tell me, like I have one client, um, he did a video and said, look, I'm struggling today. And he laid out why he's struggling and what his what is going on in his life. He's being authentic. Again, the information age of like, hey, go do this. It's kind of wearing out. People want to be, you know, I hate to say it, but you look at the crowds we're around anymore. And, and I know I'm going to use a buzzword, woke. Everybody's woke. Everybody wants to be heard. Everybody wants to feel validated in their feelings. If you're going to go that route and speak to those people or anybody anymore, that's what people are like, hey, be real with me. Be honest. And I think that's where things are really changing in the industry. Yeah. So if you know somebody who's running a coaching program right now, uh, what would you advise them to do next? How, how should they evolve their business? Social media is probably one of the biggest tools. Consistency, post every day. And you have to post multiple times a day. Post your real life. Don't put, post the... Um, I won't name names. Don't, don't post like people that are sitting on a Ferrari that's leased and have five Lamborghinis and Maseratis that are all leased in front of a house that you rented for a vacation 30 days because you can't afford it. Don't post that live. Post the real life, the real start struggle that people can attach to, that people can understand. This kind of goes back to the sales portion for me. I see all these sales entrepreneurs or trainers, coaches, whatever, posting about and bragging about, I overcame this objection and this is how you do it. How about you don't arrive at the objection in the first place by doing your job at the beginning part of the call? Yeah. That's part of the zero sales resistance. How about you have the real discussions, understand where they're at to see if they even fit the criteria and you'll alleviate 90% or 95% of all objections at the end of the call. Hmm. Every single time. So if you're bragging all these sales coaches out there, bragging about their objection handling, look, I'll be honest, I have an objection sheet, handling sheet that I give away. Why? Because people want to know simple fixes. And when they're like, hey, this worked a few times, but then they come back and they're like, hey, it stopped working. What happened? Because you're overconfident that you can handle it on the back end when you should be handling it on the front end. Yeah, so dive into that a little bit deeper. What what what's that look like? What what does it look like to handle that on the front end? You know, kind of nuts and bolts. The nuts and bolts are always having an agreement at the beginning part of the call. You know, if I were talking to you, I'd be Craig. You know, I'm going to ask some quick questions just to get a basis on where you're at and see how I can help, or if I can help. And if I can't, I'm going to point you in the right direction. Cool. And as soon as you say cool or yes or whatever, that's a simple agreement. Your life, there is no off limits. I get to ask you questions and I get to hold you accountable. So if I'm going to be, we're going to be having a, um, if you're an entrepreneur and we're having this conversation back and forth, I'm going to basically see where you're at. If you're somebody that says, yeah, I, I, I just tried, I, I bought this program and this program and it didn't work. Well, why don't you think, or what about that program didn't work for you? 
And then they'll tell me, well, it didn't work because of this. Did you try it? Yes, I tried it. Okay. What were the results of it? Like, I want to find out where they're at. I'm going to ask them the tough questions. That's the, 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 all the way through, um, you know, what have you been running up, up against in your calls? Um, just, just diving into the question base. I mean, I have so many directions I could go with that question, but I could spend an hour on that question alone, but it really is the basis of understanding where the person's at. You have to make sure they meet your criteria. And so asking them the tough questions, um, is the most important part. Tough questions such as, um, let me see if I have a quick example for you. Well, I'll use one. So I run setter teams as well. So I'll use the uh, all my setter teams and I have agreements that you will do something by such and such time, right? Throughout the day or throughout the week, you have time, you know, allotments of time to, to do certain tasks. And if you don't do them, then there's a problem, right? The funny thing is, is I allow them to pick their disciplinary action. Huh. Like, what do you think should happen? And they'll tell me like, okay, why do you feel that action? Or what about that action will make you take action next time? It's funny. I'm using the word why, because I hate the word why. So it's, it is, you know, I'll just understand where they're coming up, where their mindset is and what their, what the real struggle is. Why can't, what about this, this timeline is not working for you. Do you find the, the timeline too strict? Do you find the, the um, obstacle too big? Like, what about it is stopping you from completing the task? And they'll be like, you know, I don't really know. Okay, let's talk about what's going on in your life. How were you raised? And I'll go down that path. Okay. Um, the, the financial one is, what's your relationship with money? I'll ask people that. But what do you mean by that? Do you spend it? When you get money, is it gone instantly? Yes. Okay. What, what do you think triggers that? How, you know, when in your parents' life, when they got money, how did they handle? Did they, did they argue? Like, I will ask questions like that. Nothing's off limits. I want to understand the people's relationship with obstacles, with money, with um, past relationships, with, with uh, their current struggles, past struggles. I want to understand everything about that person before I bring them into my, my program because they're going to be the person that's either going to promote the program or they're going to be a detriment to the people in the program. And so that's the way I kind of view everything anymore. That's uh that's a great great framework. And so I and we're, we're um, this is really fascinating. Um I wish we could go on. What's so give me a quick synopsis of what you would call the zero resistance sales um you know process. Kind of like I just described, it's always about asking questions. So there's the journey, right? The zero sales resistance is understanding their obstacles, where they're at currently. Um, what makes them feel like they don't, like you want to understand their psychology behind it. You know, is it self-sabotage or undeserving or worthless or self-worth or what is it that's keeping you where you're at? And then diving into what I call a future-paced question, which really allows me to understand what are your goals? And then every time I do, um, you say you want a million dollars, I write down a million dollars and I write equals and I write an emotion next to it. 
So when someone's telling me they want a process in place so they can overcome da 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 and reach this and that, I write equal security or confidence that depending on the words they're giving me, right? And then I talk about those because that's what they don't have in their life right now. You know, they don't have security. They don't have confidence that they're going to produce. Um, you know, if someone's telling me that they don't have enough time to spend with their family, you know, I'm going to ask them, you know, I'm going to put an equal sign and I'm going to put, well, something along the lines of, of um, importance. What's really important to you, right? Um, the very first thing, uh, we'll talk about those on an emotion level, emotional level. Because people buy off emotion, they don't buy off statistics or information. So when people are out there telling me, I'll do this for you, and I'll do that for you, and I'll do this for you, it doesn't sell. That's not what sells. If I stand back, understand your story, and really understand, and then give that back to you, you're going to say, wow, Craig really listened to me, and he understood where I was at. I like Craig. Yeah. Right. And then you basically say, well, what's been holding you back? What do you think the biggest obstacle is? And then you just start a basic conversation. You ask a couple other questions like, you know, um, you know, what do you think? What do you think stopping you from working with me right now? Do you think I'm the right fit? Okay. If, if I am the right fit, what makes you feel that way? So now they're selling me why they should work with me. Mm -hmm. So then when I do make them an offer, and it's a one-time offer. It's a, it's a, and I tell people this, it's a yes, it's a no, or it's a not right now. And all of those are perfectly legitimate answers. And they're like, I want to work with you. Yes. Okay. And back in the day when I really were, was really, it was with a huge coach back in the day, when I was putting this system together for him. Like I tested it out. The close ratio was close to 75%. And then I noticed that's too high of a percent to be closing people. You don't want to close because you can't help everybody. Right. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. Oh, and that's, <laughs> well, you know what I really like about what you were laying out, um, laying out here was the, you know, I see people promoting, Hey, I've got this magic script. I've got this magic email. And the thing that I hear that you're saying is, no, it, it's it's not about the magic is understanding the person you're talking to and responding to them. Mm -hmm. um, I wish we could go on for another hour on this because this is amazing. Uh, but unfortunately, we're out of time. <laughs> um, how can people reach you if they want to learn more about this? Um, Facebook. It, honestly, I spend so much time on Facebook and Instagram. Josh Brunson, just look me up. You'll see me just in a nice shirt. LinkedIn, same thing, Josh Brunson. Um, or reach me at my email, jbmasteryandsales at gmail.com. I would change it to a business email, but I've had that one so long that, <laughs> that I'm like, I'm just going to leave it. I'm not going to change it. Yeah. Well, excellent. Well, Josh, thanks for being on Leaders and Legacies today. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. This is Craig Andrews. I want to thank you for listening to the Leaders and Legacies podcast. We're looking for leaders to share how they're making an impact beyond themselves. If that's you, 
please go to alliesforme.com slash guest and sign up there. If you got something out of this interview, we would love you to share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone who would be a great guest, tag them on social media and let them know about the show, including the hashtag Leaders and Legacies. I love seeing your posts and suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss anything, please go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to my team. If you want to know more, please go to alliesforme.com or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.